Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Hey, will you stand with me this morning for the reading of the Word? I uh, am honored to be here. God's doing some amazing things uh, lately in different places around the around the country, around the world. I think God's been doing amazing things for a very long time. Uh, I don't think we just always get a chance to see them. But when he gives us a chance to see them up close and personal, <clears throat> then they become incredibly transformational for ourselves and for other people. And that's really, um, I want to hit some of that today, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we dig in. I'm going to read first from Exodus chapter 16, verse 35. Exodus chapter 16, verse 35. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Let's flip over. We're going to go to uh, Deuteronomy now, chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read verse um, 11. Beware. Anybody ever seen like a beware sign on somebody's? Yard, beware of the dog, beware of the mean neighbor, beware of the difficult person living in your neighborhood. You ever seen that? Yeah. Beware means pay attention. Don't miss what's about to be said. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command to you today. Let's flip all the way over to Matthew and ground this in the New Testament. Chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Father, I pray in the next few minutes you would open heaven over this room. Lord, I'm honored to be here and I'm thankful for a chance to celebrate what you're doing. But Lord, my being here really isn't Lord, the indicator of what's going to happen in this room, the indicator of what's going to happen in this room is the hunger on the hearts of your people. So I pray today that you would cause us to want you more than even the breath that we get a chance to breathe, more than the food that we'll eat later today, more than anything in this world. Draw us now, Lord, into a place of intimacy where our lives can be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. All right. Take a seat. Um, actually, will you stand back up? All across the room, if you're able, I want you to stand back up. Stand back up if you're physically able. If you're not, we'll pray for healing. But uh, stand back up. If you're able, stand back up. I want you to just turn completely around like a 360, right? And then turn back around. Just turn a circle all the way around. All the way around, all the way around, all the way around, all the way around. All right. Good deal. Now you can be seated. <laughs> Pastor Mickey's like, what? I was anticipating today. I'm not sure I am now. But, uh, you know, th- th- there's nothing significant about what I'm preaching about in my asking you to stand up and turn around. I just wanted to gauge the room. And I wanted to see if you had the ability to do just a simple request. You do. How much greater would it be in the next few minutes when we give an invitation for an altar call, which we are going to do, just so you know that, 
Um, if you responded in that way and said, okay, Lord, I'm willing. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. Okay, Lord, I'm going to respond. You say, okay, so do I have to come down here to the front? No, God can touch you anywhere you're at. I actually said one time when I was going to preach at a, I was working in a local church and I actually um, wanted to preach from the back one time. Just have everybody turn around and look towards the back, right? Because that would be where they would have to go out and that would surely get them to the altar call, right? It would sure get them to a place where they make a, a, a statement that says, man, I just need to be close to God today. Let me tell you a couple of things that I, I believe in. Relationships really do matter. And relationships, how we live in this world. Now, I'm a papa. Being a papa means you get permission to be certifiably old and your stories really get heard, right? So as a papa, times three, little Grant, Everly, and Elijah will sometimes sit with me and I'll create and tell them a story. And sometimes my wife will bring a book by and wants me to read the book to them. But, you know, I just talk to them and they just have to listen because they're, they're stuck there, Right? If you got grown children, raise your hand. Like you know, now they may think they're grown at twelve, but they're not. But like you don't have to pay for them anymore. That would be what you mean, grown children. Like you don't have to buy their, you don't have to make their rent, right? Anybody got grown kids, right? Yeah, you got grown children. My son Nicholas said to me one time. He said, "Dad, have you ever considered asking my opinion instead of telling me what to do?" It's not when he was 10, it's when he was like 26, right? Because I constantly, you know, am like trying to parent. Parenting is that thing where in our relationships one with another, we believe that we have something of value to give to someone to help them from repeating the same mistakes that we have learned from, right? So I want my kids to learn from my mistakes so it doesn't have to be their mistakes. Fair enough? God gives us places in the scripture where we can learn from the mistake of another to help prevent us from entering that same area of mistake for ourselves. What I think this morning God's gonna do in this room, wants to do in this room, is to bring to a immediate reality for every one of us that what God is doing that you keep hearing about, seeing glimpses of, is not something external from where you are. God wants to do in you what you celebrate God is doing in someone else. Now hang tight. Here's the thing. This, this, this phrase up here, that's all you're gonna get. I'm not gonna give you any other points on the screen. I'll give you something to write down along the way. But this phrase up here is something that's been pressing on my heart that I think a lot of times we get caught in this struggle between whether or not we really talk about God just from a past experience or where we're talking with God about a present day encounter. You tracking with me? Here's the thing. God is a God of yesterday. My pastor said it this way. He said, God is the only being, the only person. God is the only one who is in your yesterday and in your tomorrow while hanging out in your present day. So whatever was taking place yesterday, whatever you are anticipating might take place tomorrow, God is with you right here in this moment. Now, there's things that I've seen with my eyes that have blown my mind. There's things that I've witnessed 
with my eyes that have challenged my faith. There's things that I've seen with my very eyes that seem so hard to actually voice because it seems like I can't really give you a word picture enough to prove it. I was gonna put a picture on the screen, but I decided not to. But it's a girl that goes to Lee University. Her name is Leah. She's my friend. She has no limbs here and no limbs here. It's an upper, mid-upper torso. Communications major, theology major. As you know, there's been kind of some meetings going on around the campus. And man, I'm telling you, it's just like a prayer time. And people are coming in. And last night, they, they said that uh, some lady came up and God healed her of being deaf. Do you believe that? Listen to me. Do you believe that God can do something that doesn't make sense to the natural eye, but yet it's transformational to the natural body? God can do something that we can't visibly even think is a reality, but God can do that. And here's the trouble with relationships. He wants to do it for you as much as he can do it for somebody else. You see, here's a caution for you. Some of you in this room, you're really good about believing for everybody else but you're having trouble believing for yourself. Hear me. I can pray for whoever comes down here. I can start on this end and I can walk to the other end and I can glance the cards and grab a name and go home later and pray for that name. But God, will you really do it for me? Can you really do it for me? So Leah, the other day I watched as she rolled her wheelchair Yeah, she can operate it with no limbs and she rolls her wheelchair over. And and I've seen this many times of her worship and how she extends her hands and they can't be, there are no hands, but her limbs and they can't be extended like ours. But I took this picture and it, 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 it set a place in my heart that I don't think I'll ever be the same as a result. She's out of her wheelchair She's standing in her position with no legs and no feet. And she's looking up as she's at the front of that building. And worship is going on and not a stage set. It's just spontaneous coming out of the crowd. It's a prayer meeting. Listen to me. It's a prayer meeting. That's all it is. But God's moving in the prayer meeting. And then what's happening is, is that she's sitting or sitting there or standing there. And, and get the image, she has nothing to lift and nothing to stand on. And her wheelchair's back here, and she's here. What are you saying, William? In her limitations and lack, she offers what she has. God doesn't just want your excess. God just doesn't, don't, doesn't want just what you are capable of offering because it's a good offering. God wants what you don't really want to offer because it's that thing that you've been dealing with that nobody else knows with and knows about and you don't really want to offer it because you don't want to expose it. Well, God wants to take everything and all that we are and position it in alignment with his glory so that when he does put himself and pour himself in you, what happens then is that overflow begins to touch others. Let's unpack this passage for just a minute. 
This passage in Deuteronomy is amazing to me because it, it gives us a reminder. Now, you know probably the story. The real Bible teachers like Mickey, they give you great stuff from the book. But this one is really amazing to me because they ate the children of, of Israel in their 40-year circling of a mountain. Some would guess about seven miles from where they needed to end up. And they circled for 40 years. Here's a cool thing. Anybody, any mamas in the room? Any mamas in the room? Raise your hand. You're a mother. Did your feet swell when you were pregnant? <laughs> like, yeah, my feet are swollen right now. Yeah. You know what the book says? That their feet didn't even swell. That's, that's amazing to me. The book says that. Go read the Bible. Their feet didn't swell. I'm a marathon runner. My feet go up and down every mile, up and down every mile. It also said that the clothes didn't wear out. Some of us have the thing with clothes that if I wear it once, I'll hang it and buy something else next time. Or if it's got something wrong with it, nowadays my mama used to patch up jeans. I, I tell all these students, you know, hey, bring your, jean, your jeans to me and I'll cut holes in them for you and save you about 60 bucks at the retail store. Their, their clothes didn't even wear out. But what they ate was this thing called manna that would come down every morning when they woke up. They would see that the manna, which was kind of like a little wafer of sorts. I don't know if you could, they boil the manna, they fry the manna, they eat it raw. I don't know. They put it in a, in, in, in a, in a dish with some more manna and they call it a manna casserole. I don't know. What I know is, is it was sufficient for what they needed for that day. Now, bear in mind, God told them, go out there. Moses actually told them, God by way of Moses, pick up your manna and take what you need for the number of people in your house. So if you got seven people in your house, take seven portions Hang on. Take seven portions. Don't take 14 portions because you want a double helping. I love to eat. My wife and I, the other day, we were having a conversation, and we were headed to breakfast, and I was getting ready to go out of town, and I was headed down to the coast in North Carolina area, and I said to her as we were going to breakfast, I said to her, yeah, it's going to take me about eight hours, but when I get down there, I'm getting me some really good seafood for dinner. My wife looked at me, she said, we've not even had breakfast and you're already planning dinner. I'm a foodie. I like food. 40 years, same thing. Man, a, a little flake, a wafer that falls out of the sky. It's just sitting there. I can eat it. Yeah, but there's some conditions of you eating it. You only need to eat what you need for that day. But on the sixth day, because of observing a Sabbath on a seventh day, on that sixth day, what I want you to do is I want you to pick up two portions. Now hang tight. On day one through day five, if they got any amount of excess, anything extra, you understand what I'm telling you? The relationship with God is enough. Your relationship with God does not need all the extra stuff that you think you can prop up God with. God's saying, I don't need to be propped up. I'm the healer. I'm the deliverer. I'm the one who can set you free. I'm the one who can turn your mind into a place of awareness so you understand what I'm doing. So then he said, pick up everything you need for one day. But if you get more than you need, if you take more than is your portion, 
What's going to happen is that manna that you take in your tent is going to begin to rot. And when it begins to rot, it's going to begin to smell. And when it begins to smell, everybody else around you is going to realize that you took more than you should have taken. William, what in the world are you talking about? So being a papa, we didn't have this when my kids were small. They got a thing called a diaper genie. You know what a diaper genie is? It's like expensive little bags that go in that little box of plastic that smell better so you can put all the poopy diapers down in that bag and you don't have to worry about the aroma. The other day in the family text, one of my daughter-in-laws, she sent this picture. I'm not going to put it on the screen, but it's a cool picture. She sends this picture and she opened up the diaper genie and there were like a mountain of diapers and they were not in the bag. And she puts hashtag, mom fell, I forgot to tie the bag. Yeah, y'all going like, oh. She could smell it when she walked in the front door of her house. And she knew exactly where it came from. In the house of your heart, God knows that if you are not doing what he wants you to do, how he wants you to do it, then the aroma of your disobedience will be smelled. The aroma will transfer and everybody around you will recognize, oh, I don't need to be around that right there because there's something rank about that. Anybody ever smell body odor? Come on. Yes or no? Raise your hand. Yes or no? You smell body odor. You're scared to put your hand up right now because you think somebody next to you is going to smell your body odor right now if you raise it up. I'm talking to the guy in the cap right here in the middle, right? You're nodding your head. Yeah, that's you. You ever smell your own body odor? It's a good indicator. We've been smelling you for three days. You get the picture. Take your manna to your house. Do with it as you wish and consume it. And it's nutritious enough to give you what you need to be sustained for 40 years. But if you take more than you're supposed to take, it's going to be a problem because I've got a plan. Let me help you understand something. God doesn't really care a whole lot about your excess, I don't guess. What he cares about is your obedience. And the obedience was, don't take more than you're supposed to take. (laughs) All the manna disappeared. And the next day, new manna came. So on day one through five, you get enough for everybody in your house, and you get a single portion. On day six, you get enough for everybody in your house, but you go ahead and get two days worth. Why? Because on the Sabbath, you won't have any manna to pick up. Okay, so why did it not rot on day six like it did on day one through five? I don't know. I guess because God is in fact God. And God says, I'll give you enough on day five or on day six for two portions and it's not going to mess up. See, wait, what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about the reality that in this relationship we have with God, we have the promise of his ability to sustain us and we have the way in which God wants us to respond to his principles and his truth. And all God simply wants is our genuine, authentic obedience. These moves that are happening at Lee and other places around the world, and I've been fortunate to travel to 28 countries in my life and preach the gospel to groups of few and the masses and the things that I've understood over the years is that really, yeah, God will prepare a speaker and they better be where they're supposed to be with God and God will give them a word. But when they deposit that word, 
If the person hearing it doesn't act on it and doesn't respond to it, then it really can't help you. But if you do, God can do amazing things with that. This passage of Exodus is kind of interesting because when you flip back to Exodus for just a minute, here's what he's saying. He says they ate manna until they got to the border of Canaan. God's sufficiency was enough for their lack and their need every day, but it wasn't that he was letting them continue without heading to where they were needing to go. But because of their stubbornness, their disobedience, their complaining, their accusations that you brought us into the wilderness to let us die, they, they just kind of went aimlessly about. God doesn't want you to travel aimlessly in this world. He wants you as believers, as people who carry the badge of Christianity, he wants you to be intentional about where you're going and what you're doing because he's gonna put somebody in your sight that needs to know him. This Matthew 22 passage. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength is actually a quote from Deuteronomy. It's interesting to me, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, your talents, your giftedness, your ability, all the stuff that you know, everything you're good at, love God with every bit of that. But there's also this reality that he's saying, what I want you to do is I want you to understand that I am your strength and I'm capable of making you strong in the midst of the journey. I had a student come up to me the other night. He said, Dr. Lamb, please pray for me. He said, I want lust to be gone. I said, okay. I said, here's the deal. I said, I don't know that the reality of the temptation of lust will ever leave you. But you don't have to fail to the temptation of lust. You're always gonna have, listen to me, the appetite of the world is going to be available just like the manna and the promise of Jehovah. But if you'll turn your eyes and your ears and your head and your heart and everything you've got toward God, God will give you enough and he'll give you plenty to give away to somebody else. Wow. Tyler, you read a passage earlier that I'm ending with today that it's a phenomenal passage of scripture. Second Chronicles chapter seven. It's not on the screen. Don't worry about it, but it's a wonderful passage of scripture. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. This, this passage is kind of amazing to me because it's the prayer of Solomon who is saying to God, uh, or if God says to him, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. But here's what's interesting to me. Verse 15 is something that we rarely look at. Verse 15 says, now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayer prayed in this place. What he's saying is, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, bring themselves down to me and, 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 and position themselves in a place of repentance, I will hear from heaven and I will meet them and respond to their need. But the interesting thing is this. There's been this dialogue between God and Solomon. If you do this, God, I'll do this. And if I do this, God, will you do this? And God's simple. If you will humble yourself, pray, seek my face, 
Turn from your wickedness and your self-sufficiency and all the stuff that you think you can make it work better with. And you'll depend on me, the creator, the one who's able, the one who knows more than you, the one who knows exactly what you don't even want to confess that you need. Then I'll hear from heaven. The passage is very clear. Now my eyes will be open, God says, and my ears will be attentive to the prayers prayed in this place. Stand with me in this room. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. This is where the real moment of this time today is. I told Pastor Mickey, the beautiful thing about traveling and speaking in places is, I don't really know what time y'all are supposed to get out of here. All I know is this. Since Monday at 11 o'clock, on the university campus, some students gathered in a classroom, and they asked the professor, they said, they were talking about Asbury, and they said, well, why can't that happen here? And I feel the Lord in this room. You need to stay with me for a few more minutes. God's, God's going God's to fix some stuff that you don't even know in the world, how, how in the world he's going to fix it if you'll be obedient to him today. And they said, well, why can't this happen now? And the professor said, well, why can't it? The student said, well, can we just go over to the chapel and pray? And that class went over to the chapel and started praying. By 4.30, there were 150 students in the chapel. By that evening, it was full of people. The next day and the next day and the next morning. On Thursday night, I was there and it was crazy as the place was filled. And you'd see kids sitting in the aisle. Pastor Mickey, I don't, I don't. I don't see this as a prophetic word from the Lord, but I think it's a possibility. There's a, there, listen to me. There's probably 50 churches in this town. Hear me. If you are here today, listen to me. Plant yourself in this community of this Crossroads Church and make yourself a member of this family and then together win this city. You know what? I think there's enough lost people in a Mecca town of Christianity called Cleveland, Tennessee, that if every one of the churches around here filled up, there's still, hallelujah, people who need to know the Redeemer, the Jesus, the Lord of heaven. I'd love to see this church full, so full that people are sitting down in the rows. There's something beautiful about the first three rows that are vacant. Thank you, Kevin, for coming up and filling one of those. That's a whole generation that worshiped with you. And then they went to a place where they hear the gospel at a cognitive level that they can understand and a meaningful moment for them. You know how many churches don't start with this? Whether you like it or don't like it, I love it. It's beautiful. It's awesome. You need to worship together as a family. But mamas and daddies and grandparents, hear me. Don't let this be the only time that these children come and they experience the worshipful moment. Hallelujah. With the Redeemer. 
Let your life be so full of him today that when you go home, your kids say, hey, let's talk about Jesus. And you turn that radio down on that car and they're no longer annoying you because they're beating on the car seat in the back seat. No, all of a sudden the conversation is now about the Jesus that they're trying to know that we have so often left on a shelf of our past. You see, God told Moses, and Moses told the children of Israel, the manna is over. We're going to a new place where the grapes are bigger than the sizes of a head of a person, where the strawberries are good and the fruit is fresh and it's plentiful and whatever you need. So what I want you to do is I want you to get a jar and I want you to put an omar, which is two quarts of manna, down in the jar. And I want you to seal the jar and I want you to Put it up so that everybody in the days ahead can see where I brought you from. You are the jar, my friend, for the world to see. And inside of you is not just two quarts but a double portion that is flowing out. And you might try to seal it in complacency and you might try to seal it because I had a great experience 20 years ago. I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk it now, God. It was really great 20 years ago. I don't want to risk it. Let me tell you something. Every morning you wake up, you're risking it because it could be your last breath or God could give you 20 more years of it. I don't know. But what I do know is this. If you will commit today and say, God, I want you because you are sufficient. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.